Um, so uh, tonight, uh, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about, uh, or what we've been doing is we've been going through some of the New Testament churches, and we've been looking at it uh, through the lens of I belong. Um, but I want to ask you guys a question before we get into it. Um, what, or what stood out to you uh, this past Sunday in the lesson? So. Before you answer that question, this is not a shame exercise. Uh, this is not a test as well. I uh, just want to know what are some of the things that stood out to you uh, from this past Sunday. So uh, right here, Blink. Um, well, I appreciated the quote that said, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I thought mm. that was a really great summary. And... Um, a helpful perspective that the goal is not fast but far and so good stuff love it all right give it up for that all right these two <laughs> Thomas. um the thing that just the whole slowing down is a challenge for me personally and um and just as of late i've been reading through romans 6 and romans 8 but just the lesson helped me because even as I was reading those things, I was like, okay, I want to move on to the next thing, move on to the next thing. It's like I can't just sit and marinate and absorb and um, meditate on the word. It's like there's something in me that's got to keep moving, keep moving, keep reading, keep, you know, fly past this thing. But I feel like God has been constantly telling me, no, I want you to really understand the power that you have within you. And he keeps leading me to those scriptures. Um, but then this, this hurry inside of me doesn't want to let me do that. And yeah. so the lesson helped me to go, no, it's okay, just sit here and really take these scriptures in and learn what God is trying to teach you. And it's not a sprint, I just, I need to slow down. Yep, so there's that good stuff, good stuff. Uh, for me, uh, it was Jesus was relaxed. Yeah. Period. There you go. <laughs> Jesus was relaxed, right here in the front. I like the reference to learning Jesus' pace. You know, hmm. as a life, we can just yeah. be going, pursuing, trying to reach a goal, trying to do this and that, but just looking at how Jesus never hurried in anything. Yeah. He knew exactly what he wanted to do, but he didn't have to hurry to do it. Yeah. So. Good stuff. Good stuff. Anybody here read The Unhurried Life? Such a good book. If you haven't read it, such a good book. You got to read it. Uh, but Going at Love Pace. Uh, Jesus had a love pace. It's good stuff. Right here. I, I don't remember what passage it was. I think it was what, what Lionel shared. But with regards to Jesus um, having the unhurried pace and knowing where he was going, is that it reminded me of how people that reached out to me, they made me feel like I belonged before I belonged. Hmm. Yeah. Because it made me feel like I belonged, I stayed. And how I can be much better with that, with people that are non-Christians, to make them feel like they belong before they belong. Before they belong. Because then they'll want to stay. Yep. That's good stuff, good stuff. Anybody else? R right here, Mike. We'll go back here and then we'll go to the side. Well, it was a great message, David. Uh, really appropriate for me, I know. Uh, it's really hard for me to slow down, <laughs> and yet I know that's what I need to do. Um, I think the point about our society is addicted to fast living, 
Hmm. Uh, and I just feel like, you know, I go back to my family of origin, my parents, you know, they were always on the move and we never uh, really took time out just to rest and relax and just reflect. And I feel like that's still sorely missing in me. Uh, God has a way of, you know, forcing things. And so I uh, was told this week that I, right after, this is the day after on Monday, that uh, I need back surgery. Mm. And so uh, it's minimally invasive. It could be a lot worse, but I know God is building on that message. Mike, okay, I'm going to force this on you. You're going gonna to have to have to slow down. So, amen. <laughs> amen. My wife nods approvingly. <laughs> All right here. So it's really funny because one of the items on the list of symptoms that David shared was poor short-term memory. So I had to wait for other people to share to remember what the message was about. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that list of symptoms when during the message, I took a picture of it and I was like, check, 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 because I have two paces. I have like 90 miles an hour or I have z like zero miles an hour yeah. totally checked out. And there's a huge difference between like flat on the couch, checked out, zoning in on my phone and resting. Yeah. And the, it's just a, such a massive difference because I don't know how to really rest. Yeah. And what David was sharing about just staring at a tree, at first it sounds really funny because you're just sitting there staring at a tree. And then yesterday on my way home, I'm sitting on the 405 and God literally just paints this massively gorgeous picture. I'm sitting on the 405 staring at traffic and then the light is just so gorgeous. It looks like a painting. Yeah. The clouds, there's this single tree on top of a hill and the mountains all lit up in shade and sun. And it's, I, I swear it looked like a painting. I was like, this is stunningly gorgeous god thank you and i'm finding myself resting on the 405 and i'm just like what the heck <laughs> so wow god is teaching me in what really unexpected ways that's awesome that's awesome all right right here in the front there hi guys i haven't been to midweek in like a month so thank you Wow, okay, so slowing down is definitely something God has been teaching me this past three months. And got my first speeding ticket last week. <laughs> um, and Lisey's like, you should have gotten that a long time ago. I should have gotten that a long time ago. So I now drive with the cruise control so I don't step on it any faster. <laughs> um, I, I don't know, maybe that's God, like, okay, you're my cruise control. Um, so, I feel like the way God kind of spoke to me separately, aside from like everything David said, just like the whole look and consider, I think, so I, I started this new job, and it took a lot of my time, which is why I can't really make it to midweek, and I'm always like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do this, gotta do this, but then I don't have, I, I'm not slowing down at all, I'm just... I gotta go to work, I gotta sleep, work and sleep and that's it. Um, like no, like slowing down to consider my spiritual family, my feelings that I have unresolved um, that are like piling up and I feel completely destroyed at a very delayed time. <laughs> um, slowing down to what am I gonna do? Am I gonna go to school? 
Like, I, I feel like I don't have time to worry about that because it's like, well, I have to do all this other stuff that doesn't really matter, that's just kind of distracting me. So that was really good. I was like, what? That was really good. <laughs> that was really good, God. <laughs> yes, I love it. All right, over here, Misha. I actually, um, I think uh, David does this really well, um, but he always talks about nature and looking at nature and looking at trees and birds and everything that's that God made. But I like the scripture he gave us. Um, Why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that not even King Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. And you can tell, like, Jesus is, he's not, he's like really looking at what God made, you know? Mm -hmm. And he take, he, you can tell like he's relaxed. He's not, he's not on his phone, <laughs> you know? You could, well, you can see like Jesus is like in the moment, you know? Really present and really looking at like trees, birds, flowers. And then he even says like, not even King Solomon with his like greatest like wardrobe going on is not, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I, I like that scripture. Good stuff. All right. All right, we're gonna do one more over here and then a couple over here. <laughs> I'm gonna say, um, what's, what stood up to me last, uh, Sunday was, he said, we bonded over false things instead of God. Huh. And dude, once looking back over that, I'm like, dude, that's so real. I mean, I think of all the things I bonded over and the mindset that it kind of puts me in, in the mood, it's like all feelings and mood, but there's no actual, you know, awakening of Christ being in my life or anything. It's just me bonding to things that really have no value and, and then I get caught up in that. Yeah. So I thought that was a great thing to me standing up. Makes sense. Awesome. Tori. So two things stood out to me. One was the quote that David read from Alan Fadling about rest. And it says, rest is not a place I collapse into when I've finally done enough work. It's the starting place. It's the way into the well-fitting, easy yoke of Jesus. So that was just a, a mind shifter for me. Can I start in a place of rest versus I'm working myself to the bone and trying to take care of all the things on the to-do list and then <laughs> try to recover. Um, so that stood out to me. And then also, David, hearing about your really long 12-hour days on Thursdays and how you intentionally take those five-minute breaks to just connect and yeah observe nature and how at the end of the day you're not just completely drained that was really inspiring so trying to imitate that awesome um on, on that note um it's crazy it's crazy how like when you you hear something on sunday and it actually influences like what you do during your week <laughs> uh but uh i i remember the time during the, this week where i was feeling a little overwhelmed and uh, sometimes when we're over around, we could think like, okay, what do I need to do? I need to do more. I need to, you know, uh, complete more or something like that. 
but just really taking that time to rest. I looked at a tree when I felt overwhelmed, and I was like, okay, David said consider the tree. <laughs> and so I, I looked at the tree, and I did feel more peace. Um, and it's just so crazy um, how God, in so many different ways, uh, try to, uh, tries to bring us back to his heart, you know, uh, even through the trees. So good stuff. Uh, with that being said, um, we are going to continue. Kevin is going to be coming up. So let's give it up for Kevin Holland. Thank you, Adam. It is good to see everybody. I'm happy to see the Vons. What's up, Vons? How you doing? Looking good. Julian's got it. Always dressed to the T. Always. Great to see Joe and, and uh, Pandora. Is that, oh, look at that. The Scots, the whole Scott family sitting together, all cool and everything, all relaxed and everything. It's so good to see you guys. So good to see everybody. Um, I do have to share that I did, uh, I was very moved by the message on Sunday. And in particular, David, you know, he got a little wound up. Like he didn't just ask, to, ask us to uh, stop and look, you know, he got a little intense and said, look, you know, and he, he raised his level a little bit. I was like, uh-oh, David's serious here. And uh, I did take that admonition. I was at 24-hour fitness outside in the basketball court, and I was about to play. And I st stood there. I was trying to do five minutes looking at this bird. Okay, I really was. He was doing his thing. And I, I think I got about a, maybe two minutes, David. I did about two minutes of stillness. It was hard, but it was good. And, you know, just peaceful, not stressed at all. And I do have to say, like Derek, it helped me have a calmer day. It really did. So thank you for leading us. Also, I do have to say, hearing Chris and Christine, Christine Tolbert share for the offering was so moving to me. Yeah, give it up. Let's give it up. Yes. I know they're not here, but... Um, just so great to hear the passion and of people who have been Jesus followers for many years, but who have not been here that long, uh, share their hearts. So anyway, uh, I love I Belong. It is very clear that this is the perfect spot on series that need, we need to be doing. And I appreciate the emphasis and needing to start with God, feeling and living in belonging to God, and then going from that to belonging to each other. Uh, give, having said that, tonight we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want to ask everybody to pull out their tablet, their paper Bible, if you're really spiritual, uh, if, you, if you actually are soaring, yeah, you're doing well, you're solid. Those of you that have uh, maybe a lesser faith, you know, uh, no, uh, I'm one of those people. No, I have a tablet. I think the least is the phone. No, but it, whatever you have, we, we're not, um, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Everybody had their Bible, you know, where we're going we're gonna to look at uh, a particular church. And um, this is just sort of to whet, uh, to whet our appetite. Um, the Spirit put on my heart a particular church that I think relates to us or we relate to them in a number of ways. Tonight's just going to be a bit of introduction. So if you want to go on and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, our, our uh, maiden voyage church is going to be the church in Corinth. And uh, uh, those of you that are familiar with that church, you'll understand uh, why we're looking at it. Uh, it really was 
a remarkable church. And uh, if you want to do some research, it was begun by Paul on his second missionary journey. You can read uh, what Luke says about it in Acts chapter uh, 18. And he stayed there uh, probably the longest of any time. Well, he stayed in Ephesus three years, but uh, he stayed in Corinth for 18 months and uh, was able to teach there, build a great church there. Uh, that was in approximately A.D. 49 or 50. Oh, let me show this slide. I have this slide. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So that's a picture of the uh, Mediterranean basin. And you see Corinth there in southern Greece. It's sort of halfway between Athens and Sparta. Uh, it was a well-known, wealthy city, had a uh, temple of uh, Aphrodite, I think, in it, uh, was known to be uh, wealthy and extremely worldly. Uh, there were, uh, there was uh, most of the population, about two thirds were slaves. It was several hundred thousand people, you know, thriving metropolis of that time. And uh, it's just amazing to think in the, in the heart of polytheism and of pagan worship, God was able to build his church there. And it's just, it's, it's remarkable to think that God can build it. If he can build a church in Corinth, he can build a church in the San Fernando Valley, you know, he can build a church in L.A. It, it, uh, it, God is able to do that. So anyway, looking at this church, um, it's remarkable uh, what they did. Paul wrote this letter from Ephesus, uh, I think in Acts chapter 20. So anyway, there's a lot of background. There are four main themes in the book of 1 Corinthians, and they are wisdom and sexuality and worship and uh, resurrection, and Paul spends a lot of time on this. This is a modern day, uh, you know, the ruins of Corinth, uh, modern day. Uh, so anyway, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians 1, and um, I've got my tablet. The scripture just uh, dis disappeared, but then it reappeared miraculously. And we're just going to go through the first few verses. And I want to ask you for uh, what jumps out to you. Uh, we're going to get to a, a main takeaway, but uh, hopefully everybody's ready. 1 Corinthians 1. And I know those of you that Bible scholars like the fact that we don't have the words on the screen because we want to look at our own word, right? There's something about when you look at it yourself, it feels more personal. So that's what we're trying to do on midweeks uh, and then put them up on the screens of Sunday for those that are less first. Anyway, 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1, uh, <clears throat> Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people together with those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just want to look for a minute as you listen to how Paul describes the church he says, the church of God in Corinth, and he says that these people have been sanctified in Christ. Does anybody know what the word sanctified means? Cleanse, Cleanse yes. Made holy, yes. Set, that, yes, set apart holy. So the idea here is that these people are in a pagan environment, but they have been sanctified by Jesus, and that has already happened. So that identity that even though they are a worldly group, which Paul is going to talk about a bit later, even though uh, at certain points their, their behavior is worldly at points, 
they are still in a position of being sanctified by Jesus. Does that make sense? So that is the lens through which he is viewing them. And I would dare say that is the lens through which we would do well to view each other. Right? That we first, we see each other as first belonging to God and having been sanctified by him, not by us. And if you, if, you, if you view the guy on your row, on your aisle that way, you will look at him differently than if you view them maybe from something, a, a, a conflict that you have or a way that they're acting. Remember, first and foremost, they're God's. He's chosen them and he's sanctified them. Okay. Verse 4 says, I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge. God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore, you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then Paul goes from initial greeting to immediately, and this is what he does in most of his letters, pretty, pretty much all of his letters except for Galatians, Galatians where he was just mad. You know, sometimes you just got to get to it. But uh, the other ones, he always, he expressed gratitude. And he says, I thank God for you because of the grace given you and so forth. And he keeps reminding them of their identity in Christ Jesus. He says, Christ, in these few verses, he mentions Jesus and God one, two, three, four, five, six times in, in these few verses. So he's always viewing them through the, the prism of being made right by God. And he says, you don't lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord. Why do you think he told them that? Why do you think he made that statement? Hey, guys, you've been sanctified, so forth and so on, and you don't lack any spiritual gift. Why, why do you think, what do you think moved him to write that to them? Pan. Yes, so good. So have you ever felt like I am, I am, God is wanting me to do something that I just don't have the wherewithal to do. I don't have the giftedness. I don't have the background. I don't have the education. I don't have the maturity. I don't have the stability. Uh, I mean, I felt that. We've all felt that. And I do agree with Pan. It's sort of to counteract how I would look at myself. I can't, man. I'm a, I just, you know, converted out of a pagan world, everything around me is ungodly, and I'm trying to be a Christian, and I keep messing up that, that sense of, I, I can't do this, and Paul's reminding them, you have been given every spiritual gift. God has given you gifts to be able to do this. You can do this. I'm behind you. Even though I'm going to have to challenge you, I still believe in you because God has believed in you, and God has chosen you. I love that. Okay, so now... We move on. In verse 10, he makes uh, a strange statement to me. Um, he says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. Okay, so let's just park on that for a minute. So imagine, and this is a probably, you know, multi-thousand member church. Imagine if Paul came to us into, you know, Turning Point, into the Vision Center, or uh, came into uh, Panorama on Sunday. And he says, 
You guys are great. You've been sanctified in Jesus Christ. You have every spiritual gift. God loves you. You're sanctified by his grace. You are right with him. You are the delight of, of uh, your father in heaven, and it's all good. And then he says, I appeal to you that all of you agree with each other in what you say, and that there may be no divisions among you. How would that make you feel? I would say I would feel awkward if I were just to hear that. Because in our house, you know, actually, well, it's actually, Tran and I, neither of us ever have a super strong opinion about where to eat. Some, sometimes our longest discussions, where do you want to go? Like, we're at this day, wherever, you know, we're, we're pretty easy. But you may experience this in your family. You can't get every one of your four family members to agree on what movie you want to watch or where you want to go to dinner and so forth, right? It's, it's hard to agree with a few people, isn't it? So then think about this. Paul is saying, I appeal, and it's an exhortation, and there's passion behind it. There's, a, there's some RPMs behind it. And he's saying, I appeal to you guys that you all agree with each other. To which we say, but Paul, we don't agree. What are some things that you know you don't fully agree with with other people that you know that are a part of Turning Point or maybe in your small group or maybe in your family? What are some, some areas you know you don't, you love the person, but you don't really agree? Don't all rush, okay? Mike? <laughs> yes, okay, so Mike says that politics is a vibrant topic. So how do you agree when there is diversity, which is one of we think our God-given gifts, there's diversity of thought. How do you agree? We disagree about politics, don't we? Don't we all disagree about politics? Yes. Okay, so that's one. Okay, thank you, Mike. Then us. Sports. Okay, so can you elaborate? Okay. You're in a small group with a bunch of Patriot fans. Okay. They're obviously... Okay, so you got Colts, Patriots, Eagles, and somebody else all in the same small. Well, of course, you got to break that up. We can talk later. We can talk later. Okay. All right. So we got politics and sports. Frank, how to provide for the needy. Okay. So perhaps some feel more passionately, perhaps that more needs to be done. Others are with it, but not as moved, maybe. Possibly. What You want to elaborate? Okay. So it's more sociopolitical. How, how much should, should we meet the needs? as the church versus how much should we depend on the government to meet needs? Is that right? Okay. All right. That could, that can cause some, woo. Okay. Yes, Allie. All right. So, um, well, thank you for saying it, even though you were scared to say it, that, that, that right there will help us belong and, and be the kind of community that, that we need to be. But, but just the idea of, okay, some believe that homeschooling is a preferred method of education, others traditional school, right? Okay, okay. And, and your, your personal experience and advocacy that, you know, you could have Jesus' disciples in schools to be a light and being a teacher, making your living in that environment, that is re very resonant. So that's great. Can somebody write these down, by the way? Oh, thank you. I'm crying, Cece. Stephen, can you give me an example? So that's a great point. So doctrinal issues among Christians and then differing doctrinal positions among members of us, not just denominations, but 
us as our tribe. And you use as an example, someone um, believing and speaking in tongues and miraculous gifts, someone else perhaps not being convinced that that is a current practice or whatever, right? As an example, not, not trying to pigeonhole. But so then you don't agree doctrinally, but then how are you, but Paul's saying you guys need to agree with each other and no divisions, okay? Yeah, Lance, race, can you elaborate? Yeah, so the, the topic of race in society and we're all a part of it and some of us are more animated by it, more affected, others of us less so and we both can offend each other either by being more animated than, than our brother or sister feels like we should be or less and it can be hurt feeling. Okay, turbulence, yes. Uh, you know, let me make sure I always discriminate over here. It's not intentional, it's peripheral. I gotta do better peripherally, but I'm gonna come back. So Paul? Okay, so you're saying we, we could not agree on the particular style of music that we do among churches, right? And it's possible here, right? Isn't it possible here? Yes, okay, okay. Okay, you disagree. Well, you know, Paul is undaunted, man. Paul is like, hey, let's bring it on. Uh, Let's see, uh, were you waving your hand for, for him? Okay, what a good guy, your partner. Joey, our personal view of the homeless crisis in our society and what we should do, and you're talking about among Christians. Let me make a statement to that. Uh, Sheldon Swift brought to me a, uh, Sheldon in here? Uh, what's up, Sheldon? Uh, a, a desire to figure out, can we do more as a church? Which the obvious answer is obviously yes to deal with the, the homeless uh, crisis epidemic in our, in our locale? And the answer is yes, but what, given that and other things that we can try to help, how do we do it? To what degree do we do it? And at the cost of what else we're doing, do we do it? But, and perhaps the sensitivity of, is it what God is calling us to do as a, as a, um, I don't know, a, a signature ministry. Now, uh, I do think efforts are, are being currently made, but we can disagree as to the priority it should hold and the amount of investment we should make. So I do agree with that, yeah. Uh, let's we'll see, how many more do we have? Uh, uh, okay, so let's, let's do them fast, because I want to, I got two minutes, so you got to hurry. What's up, E? Okay, uh, parenting. Parenting. Disagreeing on parenting? Okay. Whether to, whether you be, ha, to have them or not, huh? I know, I just kidding. <laughs> to have parents or not? Did you hear them to vaccinate, to not vaccinate, to do different? Yeah. So I feel you. We're coming back to it. We wrote the list down. So, all right, Alex, you got to go quick. And so as we talked about before, continuationism or cessationism. Yes. Uh, Kimba. Okay, media consumption. And the wisdom, what, what's, what should be and should not be. Okay, yeah, Lindy? So well said, um, she, she said immigration, how to, how to feel maybe corporately about uh, immigrants, how to treat them personally, do we, should we bring them in, welcome them more as a church, which I think we're a pretty welcoming group, or, or it, should we leave it to the government, so forth and so on. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but just different Christians feel differently about that. Very sensitive. Yes, thank you very much. Okay, so we're now, we're coming down to the middle. Yes, we're, that was the, here are the moderates. I don't know which one is conservative and liberal, but here are the moderates in the middle. Uh, Ricky. 
and without without there being any dating in the New Testament, although there are principles, it's a good good thing. Okay, so Troy, you messed me up. You come. Okay, I got you though. I got you. Yeah, my perspective on it versus someone else's perspective, and. If, I, if someone feels I need it, do I need it? Do I need to agree with them that I need it? Okay. So did everybody hear that? The idea of modesty and where, where is the line drawn? Who makes the call? Why is one person's perspective on how I should behave or dress authoritative versus someone else's? Okay. Who's, I can't, somebody's behind somebody, I can't. Oh, hi, Tori. Did everybody hear that? So that deserves a round of applause. So that's like, yeah. So... Well, I just want to, for the, for the mic, mental health, what, what is, what, you know, do I, is, should I uh, take advantage of medication or not? What, what role does the Holy Spirit play in healing and what, what is, what's a spiritual issue versus what is a mental health issue? Who call, who makes the decision, et cetera. So well said. Thank you. Uh, let's see over here. Uh, Shell, serving point. Who should... Who, who should serve? Should everybody serve? Is that what you're saying? Okay. So, so do we all do, do when you come in new, does everybody, is everybody, everybody should be serving. So different opinions on, do I have to serve? What if I'm not called to that? Should I do it? Okay. Yes. Uh, all right. Uh, Dr. Bean. And then I got two more over here and then we're done. What's up, Dr. Bean? Mm-hmm. So how to spend the money, even if it, we want to do benevolence, how do we spend it, to what degree, who, what percentages, who gets it, who doesn't, who decides? Okay. All right. And then I saw one more. Is that Curtis? What's up, Curtis? Okay. <laughs> Pre-poster. Ah. <laughs> yeah. We, we all know it's in the New Testament, but what the heck. Okay. So. <laughs> and then. And, and I will say that the, our, our tribe from, from whence we came did divide in the 19th century over premillennium, premillennialism, postmillennialism, amillennialism, whether to have communion with everybody or, or, uh, you know, or not, uh, baptism, what, you know, how much do people need to know before they're baptized, so forth, so on. Okay, so that's a laundry list of uh, things that good-hearted, well-meaning Christians can disagree on. Am I right? Is that true? Can I get an oh yeah on that? Okay. So what we're going to do next week is we're going to solve all of those. So come back for next week. We're going to have all the answers to all of it, and it's going to be 45 minutes, which will prove that the Holy Spirit isn't working. Thank you, by the way, for, for participating. If I missed you with something, I would love for you to talk to Cece and, and cause write, so she can write the issue down. But I want to read this in closing, and I just want the scripture to speak for itself. Because given this level of uh, perspective diversity, Paul is, is saying to these Corinthians, given all of that, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there may be no divisions among you, but that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. My brothers and sisters, 
Some from Chloe's household, and always somebody, Chloe, somebody's talking. Some from Chloe's household, he's in Ephesus and there in Corinth, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. Anyone ever had a quarrel with another Christian over any of the things we just talked about? Raise your hand if you've had one. If you have. Okay. So he says, I would rather you not quarrel among yourselves. He says, what I mean is this. One of you says, I'm with Paul. Another, I'm with Apollos. Another, I'm with Cephas. Still others, I follow Christ. And we can do that as well uh, with different personalities or, or ways of thinking. Who are you with? Okay, I'm with the recovery crew or with, I'm, I'm with the... Um, service crew or I'm with the FRC crew or I'm with the worship crew and I've got my crews, right? And, and it's not that we would, we know for sure better to say, than to say that, but we still can devolve into, not, not that we don't need to have a bond and you do have a deeper bond with those you work most closely with, but there is a healthy way to have it and an unhealthy way where there become these different uh, sort of uh, niches. And then he says at the end, okay, so uh, is Christ divided? What is the answer to that? Is Christ divided? He's not. Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul or all these other things? He says, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. <laughs> now, but Paul obviously gave his whole life to baptize as many people as possible, but you know what he's saying, right? Don't, don't, you know, keep working, except Christmas and Gaius, so that no one you would say you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanus, but behind, beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. So if you can't remember, I met a guy a couple years ago. He, I had studied the Bible with him, and I'm telling you, it was as though I had never seen him before in my life. Of course, it was like 15 years ago, so I felt better. But then I feel better because even Paul couldn't remember who he baptized. So that made me feel better. But then he says, for Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom or eloquence, lest the cross uh, be uh, robbed of its power. And then it says, in closing, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it's the power of God. And it's, it's, what, it's what we derive salvation from. So I just would love for us during this, you know, next, next week and so forth, think about, okay, so what can I do to uh, do my part to agree with everyone else so that there will be no divisions among us? I'm not saying there's, I have a specific application for you, but I just want you to think to yourself, perhaps I'm so adamant in my position on any of these issues that my energy can be divisive if I, there's someone that I don't agree with. And I'm not saying it is, and I'm not saying don't have convictions. But what I'm hearing Paul say is superseding my opinions about all these things should be an, uh, an effort to be as unified and simpatico and in step with and in sync with and honoring my brother and sister as possible. And that is way up here. And my thing is here. That, I think, is part of what, we, what he's getting at. And just so you know, we are in a season. You heard Chris and, as Chris, Christine share 
we have a glorious, remarkable, miraculous family of God, built by God, owned by God, inhabited by the Holy Spirit with all of us. As well, we are in a time where we do have divisions among us. In thought, in practice, and in word. So, does that mean we're not a beloved, uh, growing, changing church? No. Does that not mean that our names are not written in the book of life? No. Right? We're covered by grace. We're sanctified. But we're in a season where we're trying to address these things just like they did so that all the good, all the good that God wants to do among us will be done. So be, please be praying on that. We're trying hard to be a functional family. We're trying. Not easy, but we're making an effort. So as we keep looking at Corinthians, I think that God will help us do more of that. So thank you for your attention, and may God bless you and keep you. Until we again meet, grace and peace to you all.